Uh, joining us now from somewhere here in Mankato, our good friend Barb Lamps. Good morning, Barb. Hey, Karen. Good morning to you and to all of our listeners. What a beautiful morning it's been. I've been outside and and been weeding and watering because I don't trust that we're going to get any more rain today. Doesn't sound and, like much, but but you know the good thing is my rain barrels have been replenished because I was actually empty for a while and had to use my hose, which you know you and I know we don't really like to do because we like to you know use our our rainwater. Yes, but now uh, two of the rain barrels, so 110 uh, gallons in the back where I have the pine trees. You know they have such heavy shade that. There's not a lot of moisture that gets to the ground, and so that inch of rain that we had, I was under them digging around and just bone dry, so I emptied out those two barrels and the hostas and things that I had under them, and they all got a really nice drink, and so now I'm waiting to get them refilled again. But I do have the other four rain barrels, and I still have water in them, so I'm thankful for that. Say, we should make a road trip. I, I got sent something from uh, my best friend about Milwaukee. They normally have a flower festival this year, but, you know, nothing is normal this year, so they weren't able to plant all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flowers that they got. So they're giving them away. It says, take home a piece of Summerfest. Thousands of flowers being given away, ready to plant. The only problem is it's in Milwaukee for the Milwaukee World Festival called Summer. Fest and isn't that sad that you know yes. so many things have to be waylaid and none of those flowers got planted? But I guess if you're a, a you know gardener and you have that chance, what a deal! Yes, but you know here's the thing: even if you're a gardener and you have a garden, you only have room for so much. <laughs> oh, you can dig up say- more yard, Barb, can't you? Or <laughs> you can get more containers, Barb. Yes, well, I have been actually kind of digging around in my garden shed looking to see if I have some bigger containers, (laughs) and I have added a a few more things. Now, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you're lucky you've been gardening for a long time, you have a lot of perennials, but you know what happens when you've been gardening for a long time? You, your plants have grown, and they've grown way out of proportion to where they should be, and maybe in the case of Baptisia, which is false indigo, that becomes a shrub-like plant. Right. I mean, it, it gets so tall, you don't have to prune it on top, but it starts spreading out, and as it spreads out, it makes an umbrella. And for about six feet around it, it you know, for a total in circumference, you, you have things that are really getting shaded. And I had this coreopsis that I had always wanted, and it's a pink coreopsis. It's called American Dream supposed to do really well. I planted it about uh, four years ago. The first year it did really well. The next year, I mean, it was growing, but it didn't really, it it didn't bloom very much. Last year, it didn't bloom at all. Hmm. And so I went back to my trusty manual, Growing Perennials in Cold Climates, which was written by Mike Hager and two other gardeners from Minnesota. And I thought, you know, uh, coreopsis. I have coreopsis in the front yard. I have different types of coreopsis. Why is this one, you know, doing so miserably? And then it said in there, they need full sunlight, which in front of my house where the other ones are at, that's full sunlight. Mm-hmm. Six plus hours, 
they'll tolerate just a small amount of shade, but they really need good light and good sunlight. And they really do need good soil. And they like a sandy loam to grow in. And I thought, I went out there and I thought, oh my gosh, this Coreopsis, the whole thing is shaded. It never had a chance. No. So what do you do? Well, that's, I, a, that's again the thing, the right plant for the right place, because I think so often I hear people who maybe are new gardeners who just feel they have a brown thumb, and it might be that they just, like you said, they planted it in the wrong place, and, and had they put it in the sunlight and needed sun, for example, it would have been beautiful. But if you don't know that, you feel like you're right. a failure. And, and if you take for granted, you planted it there, it was the right place, and now yeah. it's got a big shade plant shading it, of course this is what's going to happen. Not only that, the soil had become more compacted, too. Mm. And so I thought, well, okay, rather than leave it another summer, it isn't really the time to be propagating plants now, dividing them up. I, so I took um, a flat container, I put some moisture in it, and I went out and I dug these just sections, and I left a section there just in case this didn't work. And then I went and dug holes, and I, I took my compost, and I added some sand in with that, and I mixed in the soil where I was going to uh, put them. And they say that it's really good. I mean, here's the time. Really, this, this plant will spread its roots out. It will move around. So really incorporate and change the soil in a larger area. And I did that, and... I watered, I filled water in the hole, and then I put in the new soil with the sand and the compost, and uh, and and then I placed them in and I watered again. And this was on Wednesday when it was overcast and it was cool. And then I took um, cedar shingles and I made peepees and and formed over these plants and. And I've watered them ever since. They're looking just fine. I hope they'll do well. One of the things that can happen, though, if you have an open winter with Coreopsis um, and you don't have them mulch, you can lose them. But for the most part, they're really quite hardy. They'll even thrive in the in the shade. They won't do anything. They'll they'll survive, but they won't really thrive well. So they won't bloom for you. And this was the, what they call the uh, thread leaf. It has that really fine leaf on it. It's not good for cut flowers. The one that has, uh, like, uh, the lance leaf on it that, or a bigger, thicker, broader leaf, that's a better one for flowers and will do really well. So coreopsis are a great plant. I hope people try them. Just if you think yours aren't doing well, you know, go back and read the instructions and find out if you've got them in the right place. And if you had the right soil to start out with. You know, one thing you mentioned about your Baptisia, how it's just, you know, started like a nice little plant and it was just kind of put in its place and now it's a giant mammoth kind of overtaking its place. I notice a lot of times when people will landscape, because when you get those little shrubs, they're they're small and they look so mm-hmm. nice and tidy, but, oh my goodness, I've seen homes and then they, they when they get to their full growth, they are so big that they become over overgrown yeah. and they look just unwieldy so that's why it's so important i know when i um i learned that ex- experience starting uh, years ago when i first started thinking like oh well I, I have all this space i can plant lots of things here knowing that you know you need, need it a, a good space 
to put your plants in because uh, at least I know when I was doing the house at the lake house, I kind of started from scratch because I, I dug out a bunch of old arborvitaes that had basically overrun the place, which you see a lot of older homes have that. The arborvitaes just kind of sure. took over. Well, you know, the, I, I read you should have like 8 to 15 feet of uh, uh, for your foundation planting. I thought, well, that sounds like really wide, but when when you look at how big some of those plants get, it really isn't. Yeah. So I think that's so important to look at how big those plants are going to get, and it's so tempting to want to fill in. So I do now, if I fill in, it's with annuals, so then I can just be able to sure. take them out. So just an yeah. important thing to remember. And, and the thing of it is, if you think, you know, when you're digging a hole, you think, well, this is this will accommodate it. But if if plants, um, when they're moving about, whether it's by seed or by their their roots, are growing out, and and they're getting bigger and bigger, you need to really put improve the soil for quite a distance out from where the plant is originally located. Now I know, Karen, when you and I worked with two shovels to get a hosta out of my garden so that you could have it. When we got it out, I couldn't believe how big that space was. But I thought, oh, I can plant lots of things in here. And then I just sat back and thought, no, I can't. This, I have to just put a couple of things in here because everything is going to, you know, it's going to get big. It's going to need this. It needs good air circulation. You have a healthy plant. You have to be able to see you can't have it shoulder to shoulder with another thing. It just doesn't doesn't work out well after a while. Yeah. So. Whoa. So now uh, on the uh, um, animal front, we had deer visiting the garden, the front, the yard last night, and I went out oh. and all of the daylilies beside the house that had blooms on them, they had eaten them off. You know, they got some of my, I was thought I was doing good because I'd done the malorganite, but I kind of cut back on the malorganite and the deer um, f- liquid fence stuff. And so mm-hmm. they got some of my Asiatic lilies, too. You can't let up. You can't let up, I guess. Yeah, and uh, right by the um, front, out close to the street, I had this big clump of Asiatic lilies. It had just you know how the buds form mm-hmm. and and they elongate and you can see what the color is going to be right so my neighbor i was out doing some stuff in the front yard this morning and she stopped to say how she just loved the delphinians and i said well this is going to look really nice you know when these asiatics are blooming along with this and uh she said well where are they and i said well they're right well they weren't oh and- no they had, there was one stem oh, that was no. left, and oh. that one, fortunately, the um, buds weren't as elongated and ready. So, you know, deer, they're very smart. They it's like just, candy to them. They they know it's it's almost like you just wait till it just gets like some, a cookie in the oven till it gets just perfect, and then you want to eat it. Yeah. So I went, I had this one, so I went and got a, in, in my... Um, backyard where I stock things that I might need a tomato cage and brought it up there and pounded that into the ground and um, I don't think that they would reach their head through the hoops to get at this Asiatic now. It may not look best but I want to see what it's going to look like when it's in full bloom. So so that hopefully has taken care of that problem. Well, uh, did, did, have you been using any deer 
a liquid fence or anything like that? Because you might no. want to add that. I was going to say you might want to add that too, just given how sometimes. Yes. The, yes. And I, I read something about um, um, having um, uh, plastic bags. Yeah. Uh, well, that anything that moves in the wind like that. But you know, what if it's not, not sure. windy? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when it is, they're not they're not out and about moving. So yeah. it must have been a nice night. And you know what? I was looking outside, and we have fireflies now out at night. Oh yeah, I've seen them for a few couple weeks now at least. Because you oh, know, my my son goes out. Grant goes out and and catches and then puts them in a jar and then puts them back in. So yeah, yeah. Well, just beautiful to have that in the evening, and you can hear the crickets and and just such a lovely Minnesota is just great. I love Minnesota. Oh, absolutely. Hey, um, I heard that one of our local uh, favorite garden centers, the Edenvale, is out of plants uh, already. I know they still got some hardware and things like that they're doing, but can you imagine, this has been such an odd growing year because of the, the COVID that I know they had to cancel a bunch of orders. So I just think we'll get through this year, Barb, and yes, and yes. we're just going to have to just realize that I don't know what the new normal is going to be, but, you know, it's just odd. and. Yep, yep, it is, and and that's even um, a reason why we should keep watching to see if we need to divide our perennials. You know, you put a perennial in, and you think that's it forever, but it's not. It they really benefit when when you do divide them up and you do improve the soil. And of course, it's always a good idea whether it's an annual or a perennial to deadhead. And right now, uh, the uh, daylilies that I do have that the deer didn't eat, yeah. once the, they bloom for a day, snap off that little uh, uh, spent bloom and be sure that you take the seed pod with it because it's already formed. It's, it's, you have to reach in and just there's just a little BB-like thing. Get that off. You don't want energy of the plant going to make seeds. Say, I got a question from a listener that they, they texted in. Uh, this is a question about shade gardens. Uh, how do you go about incorporating lily of the valley with the ferns and hosta? How far do things need to be apart? And now when you do lily of the valley, I consider lily of the valley to be more of a ground cover. So unless you want it taking over the garden, I think I put mine in just an area by itself where it can, where I, maybe nothing else grows well, because it will fill in like a carpet and it will keep growing. And so that would be kind of what I would think. So I would plant my ferns and hostas kind of in a different area and put them in the lily of the valley just because they are, they can be almost invasive. You know, one of the things that you can do that's a, a surefire way of restraining uh, Lily of the Valley is to plant them in plastic pots, like at least a gallon-sized plastic pot. Make additional holes um, in the bottom so it's got good drainage. Dig a hole where, you, where your shade is and sink it in the ground. They're going to stay there, and believe me, they'll be with you for a lifetime. You, you so, don't think they'll get out of their pot area? Because I swear they, well, I mean, how, no, how deep they, of a pot? Because, you know, they, they grow by underground um, they do, roots. They can't, they, they can't go through plastic. At oh. least they haven't when I've done that. The same way with ferns. You know, I also, um, that bulblet fern, you know which one that is. It's a little one, smaller one, and it has the lime color to it. It's light green. It's just really a nice 
went. That one moves around, too. And I dug that out of my garden in, and, and moved it to my shade garden where I have a big spot where it can move around in. So something like that, if, if you know that they, uh, the Baldwin firm, it has these little tiny, they're bigger than a spore, and they drop off from the inside of the leaf, and that's how they grow. So you could you could do something like that too, but uh, and is she going to combine them with hostas? Yeah, she wants to create a shade garden. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Because I was going to ask you, I've got my uh, lily of the valley, and I don't have any plastic. Can I insert a plastic wall so they'll yep. stop encroaching? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you could actually, um, uh, you know that um, oh, uh, it was a place. Um, it was a, I don't know if you can buy it anymore, but it was a metal edging, mm-hmm. and you could sink it into the ground. Okay. And, and to keep things in place, like if you wanted to separate your yard from your flowers. Well, how deep uh, does it need to be, though? Well, that was about, I think that was about five or six inches. Oh. And I think, I don't know, when I have had, I've, I've dug a lot of Lily of the Valley, because I had it in a very shady area, and I had it with shrubs ferns and and I just let it go because I thought it looked nice doing that and then I decided to start digging it out it it um, at first when when it uh, it shot over there it doesn't put down really deep roots right away so it, you know if you watch um, you can if it, if it would uh, go outside of the uh, boundary you could just take your pruning shears and just cut it off you know at the top just don't let it do that, and I think you'd be okay. It certainly you could try it in an area. You know, it it depends on if you're really uh, out looking at your yard and watching things really regularly. Like, you know, I have to inspect every day my <laughs> yes, yard and garden, and uh, then you can kind of catch things, except for when that you know big flower covering them or big plant covering them. But um, I. Would, I would try that. Other than that, I don't think, um, especially with Lilio Valley, I mean, I think that would just keep moving around. It would just keep advancing. I don't think there's any other way that you'd keep it confined. Just corral it in plastic pots and sink them. I've done the same thing with mint because mint, if you let <laughs> that go, it tends to want to go everywhere. So I've uh, sunk a plastic pot in the ground, and sometimes it'll it'll want to wander out a little, and I'll just pick it because it's you know when it doesn't get too established. So there are some plants like that who are I would consider aggressive, and yeah. you know unless you want the ground cover everywhere, then you'll have to slow them down. Like on my hillside, there's some things I'm encouraging, and I'm wanting the lily of the valley to to go out wherever it wants. But other places like amongst my hostas and ferns and things, I don't want it crowding them out. Sure, sure. Um, you know, um, uh, the, uh, talking about uh, wanting things to grow, uh, up at Good Council in our vegetable garden, we picked our first uh, cauliflower. Oh, good. I was, I was absolutely surprised. This perfectly white formed head it was self-blanching we didn't have to tie up the leaves just beautiful and um i made a salad out of it and you know what i really forgot how 
what a joy it is when you bring something home from the garden and you uh, and you eat it the same day. I was taking the florets, I was washing it, and you could just snap them off and go crack, crack. I mean, it wasn't rubbery like it is when something's been sitting in the grocery store and it's been covered in plastic. Right. Uh, it was just you know, snap, snap, just as clear snap and just absolutely delightful. Well, I've been, we finished up our first crop of peas now. I'm hoping uh, more will form, but I'm trying to recall. It's been a while, but we, we plant, I plant peas. They get about 30 inches tall. So, you know, I really don't have to have supports, but I do. But we had a great crop. Do you know, will I keep getting more peas or am I going to just, are they going to finish off now? Yeah, they're going to be done. They can't stand the heat. You know, as a matter of fact, Karen, um, I, our peas are almost a failure up to good counsel. Why? Ours were real. Ours were really successful. We ate and ate and ate, and but now they're kind of done. Well, that uh, when we planted them, I mean, they just grew. They they germinated in the ground really fast. They clung on to. We had that um, cattle fencing, right. and as as they started growing, we added uh, some of this what they call. Um, cloth wire, which is that sh- smaller um, green wire that has smaller spaces. Like a little, little short little fence made of plastic, basically. It, it, well, it's made out of metal. Oh, okay. And I used um, plastic ties, and I attached that to the cattle fencing so that these peas could grow up there. And um, when I was up there yesterday, uh, no, Wednesday, I went to weed, and here there was uh, chunks of it that were cut off at the bottom. There, they were just the whole vine was just severed at the bottom, and I don't know if that was some kind of a uh, something that was lives in the ground, like some kind of a cutworm that did that, or hmm. if it was the wind. It was so windy up there that it they just you know it uprooted that. So I, I took those out of the garden. There was about oh, five or six like that, and I'm going to watch it. I, I've i never had that happen before. Just to, Well, I've heard a lot of people on the Master Gardener listserv talk about cutworms have been uh, very ferocious this year, so maybe... Yeah, maybe that was what you had because I I did mine in my raised garden bed, so I think that's why they were more successful. And do you know I started mine early because I put them when the snow was still on. I put them in a, a little milk cartons that were covering them in the ground, and so they had that early early start. And then I planted some later, so I had at least a little extended season that way. I think it's fun to experiment with things like that. I I think that's a that's a really great idea. You know, one of the things, one of the calls I got this week was about lawn care, and this person had, and they sent me a picture of um, the grass was yellowing, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not a, a deficiency of nutrients. That's probably it's it's stressed. And it's probably been from the uh, lack of rain, the heat, and uh, 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 the wind. So uh, with something like that, I think you just have to wait and see if it comes back. You can start watering uh, because if the plants are dry, the grass is dry, too. And for heaven's sakes, don't fertilize. 
Right. It, and that's that's the thing. You got to got to know when to do it. And just because your lawn service says it's OK, make sure it, you really know. Call your extension agent because they can actually tell you what scientifically is is best for your your gardens yeah. and yards. And and find out exactly what they're putting on. Yes. So it would they would only be putting on nitrogen and potash, but you want to know the, the amount they're putting on, how they're spraying it, and if the person that's doing this is uh, trained. You know, were they are they licensed and trained? I think that would be very important too, because if you put on too much, even if you have perfect conditions, uh, you could have this. This yellowing looked like the grass is, is being stressed. So uh, if you love your lawn, you know, just uh, pay attention to that. Anything else you'll be doing this weekend, Barb? Well, I think I'm going to just continue to see if I have a problem with the deer. <laughs> and I do have some of this uh, deer stuff that I can put on. I, I'll do that. So. So stay tuned. It's going to be all about gardening and uh, enjoying the fireflies. Okay, very good. Well, we appreciate you talking with us, Barb. Thanks very much. We'll chat with you again next week, okay? Thanks, Karen. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Barb Lampson, our master gardener guest. It is 10 o'clock, and you're listening to a Minnesota